Hello, hello. Welcome back to Retrieving Sanity with your host, Keegan. Now, I hope that you are looking forward to this upcoming weekend. I don't know what you have in store. I don't know what you may or may not have planned. However, I want to wish you a great weekend and just to encourage everyone, stay safe and check on loved ones. And that includes the weird guy from work. Thank you. Now, let's just kind of figure out a little bit of a something real quick. And that little bit of a something is, well, trauma and how it relates to addiction and or recovery. Now, a lot of us have trauma. This is true. In fact, I think most everyone has it out of 7 billion people. I'm sure at least half of that have some kind of trauma that has affected and changed the way that they develop, what they do as an adult or maybe young adult, and just shape their perspective in a sense that it might become so distorted, it's not really factually happening. And what I mean by that is whenever people sit there and say, for instance, they think they're in trouble, it's because there was some kind of trauma that happened in the past that makes them afraid of being in trouble. And this is double fold, especially if someone thinks they're in trouble for nothing that they did. And that's, a, well, it's a form of paranoia, let's face it. And the thing is, it could be totally not accurate whatsoever, and someone will actually still sit there and think that they are in trouble. The reason why, well, again, it depends a little bit, but one of the things we need to take a look at is ourself. I know for myself, I actually suffer from this, and I'm not saying any one person or any certain circumstance happened, but I am saying that I can relate to someone that thinks they're in trouble, and especially over nothing, and it happens a lot. Just look at some people that you know, or it may be yourself. Whenever you're in an abusive relationship, it could be emotionally, physically, uh, abusive and it'll make one kind of cower especially if they're afraid of that person and or what they are capable of doing should they be wronged in some way shape or form now this isn't to say that you can have a perfect and easy life if you avoid certain people it's not going to happen however Trauma is almost directly related to other people and what they did to us. Now, again, this isn't like for sure factual, like 100% absolutely true, but it is a big factor that we have to keep in mind. Humans, we are social creatures. We like to be around some people. And before you think it, trust me, I know. I'm an extrovert with introverted tendencies, and sometimes they just don't really work well together. So you got to make it into what you want it to be. And for some of us, yeah, we can kind of maybe do that with a little bit of a poke and a prod. Other people, it's like trying to move a stubborn bull, and it's just not going to pull the tiller. So you might as well go ahead, grab your hoe, and start tilling that dirt and plant your seeds. So... Yeah, if a bull doesn't want to move, it's not going to move. And this also <laughs> relates to people in general. 
the thing is, a lot of us actually hold on to, well, trauma baggage, if you will. And the thing with that is that we said we like to carry it. We assume that it is ours. It is ours to take. And the thing is, we do it. Now, whenever you think about it, a lot of people will relate it to having some kind of a relationship with someone that had an abusive relationship, for example, and they could be afraid in their new relationship and new partner because of what happened in their past with someone else. Now, again, it's not so much so that someone caused it. What we're looking at is we want to know why we carry it, why we assume it is ours. And it's kind of difficult, well, maybe not difficult, but a little bit complex, especially depending on who you are and what your train of thought or perspective on life really is. Now, with toting around this baggage, if you will, we like to say, oh, hey, that over there, yeah, that that's that one time that I got hurt as a child, and I take it out to look at it every day because it brings back memories. It makes me remember whenever I was a kid, whenever I lost my innocence, whenever I started to be afraid of the world. And again, for those that have been in some traumatic experience that is dealt by someone else, I urge you and want to say not let it go, but embrace it and do something with it. And yes, I know that's easier said than done. And also, that wasn't very easy to say because I'm also talking to myself and I like to carry stuff. So I'm right there with you. But a lot of the time, we have to remember it is not our fault. Now, you can say, oh, I did this to piss off this person. Okay, well, they retaliated. Like, okay, but the thing is, did they have to? Probably not. I don't know what the circumstance is, but for the most part, people don't deserve to be treated badly just because they say something that might offend someone. We deal with this a lot as a society and just being humans. We like to try to find other like-minded people, and whenever we can't, that's whenever you get someone that's kind of an outcast like myself. So, the thing is, whenever we take a look at some of our baggage, we may want to hold on to it because, again, it's what we used to be like. It reminds us of simpler, easier times, but it's also something as a memento of pain. And this pain memento that you carry around as like a badge of honor, it's kind of going to help define who you are. And if you're doing that out of fear or trauma base, it's going to not be okay because you're going to be a little nutcase like myself. So before you get too far into the crap, just know that take a step back, breathe, and a lot of the time, whatever you're dealing with is not your fault. Now, again, if it is, people don't have to retaliate in such a way that it belittles you as a person. So while we're sitting here on the topic of trauma and pain, we have to look at one thing first, and it is absolutely crucial to understand this. 
And the thing is, a lot of people don't really seem to get it. That's where these bigots come from that we just can't seem to squash or like, you know, shush them away and keep them out of people's business. Now, these people are going to be the same kind of people that say, you're not like-minded, I don't want to be around you. But they're not so much saying, I don't want to be around you. They will go out of their way to put you down. But at the same time, what a lot of these people seem to do, or, well, let's not clump everyone together. Let's just be real. Humans. So us humans like to sit there and say, well, this is my experience. This is how it's affected me. And depending on my mentality, my perception of the world and how events have shaped me, then I'm going to sit there and I'm going to act and have different beliefs and experiences accordingly. So whenever you do that with like, say, a hundred people, you're going to get at least a hundred stories and experiences, if not a little bit more. And that's because, again, perception is everything. Maybe someone has a perception of one event, but it's also able to be seen from another lens. So they have a little bit of a different perspective, which is what we all should do, really, because we're not going to sit there and actually fix or solve anything if we don't look at the bigger picture. But with this whole, it's my experience, it's my perception, it's my reality and beliefs, I like to sit there, and yes, I said I, but hear me out, uh, I am a human, so don't worry, those lizard people, they won't hear us, I think. Now, whenever we sit there and we see someone else struggling, a lot of the time, people don't do anything about it. It's a sad fact of life, and humans kind of suck because of it. But what happens with experiences and, say, even material things, or even down into our emotions and psyche, something happens to you, and you just feel a certain way about it. They can be happy, sad, angry, uh, remorseful, regretful, guilty, so on and so forth. You choose whatever emotion it is that you experienced, and also take a look at the perception that you had that led to that feeling or belief. Now, whenever we sit there and we try to look at our perception, our experiences and stuff, and we compare it with other people's, a lot of us will actually sit there and go, oh, I had it worse. And, well, maybe you did. So whenever you look at someone else and hear about their experiences and their feelings and everything, you might be like, oh, yeah, that guy's got a, a lot better than me. Or it may be the opposite. It may be like, oh, that guy has a real problem. Like, that really sucks. At least I haven't had to deal with that. And that's not the point. It is not the point of if you have experienced the same thing and felt it on the same level of emotions and perception. The reason why this doesn't really matter is because it's not your experience. It is not your life. It is not your perception, mentality, nothing of the sorts. It is entirely the individual's perception, feeling, and experience with the situation that really guides them to be who they are and how they got there. 
Now, whenever I say this, think of it like this. So you're a little kid, you're running around, you scrape your knee because you fell. Now, you see someone else going along, and they're playing on the monkey bars, and they break their arm. It's like, okay, yeah, that kid that broke his arm falling from the monkey bars, yeah, that's going to suck. Like, that hurts. But you running around, falling and scraping your knee, guess what? It hurt too. So we're not sitting there trying to play comparison with your experience and mentality and feelings with your own or someone else's. What we're doing is we have to accept and recognize that pain is pain. And there's not much more to it besides that. Your pain is valid. Your thoughts, your feelings, all of it is valid. All of you and what you think is valid. So I can sit there and try to get it in your head or someone else's, but that's the thing. If we don't actually, well, actively work on this and be open and receptive to other people's feelings and actually believe them for what they say it is, we'll stop sitting there and comparing and maybe, maybe we'll actually find a little bit of a middle ground where we can actually collaborate and heal from our traumas, addiction, or whatever have you. And this is actually super crucial to do because if you're comparing yourself to anyone and everyone else that has a similar experience or feels the same way but with a different experience, you're not really going to make a lot of progress on yourself. And guess what? That's what trauma does. It affects you, just like trauma of my own affects me. So we can't really sit there and say that someone has it better than me. Like, yeah, maybe they do. But that's looking at it more from the materialistic standpoint than it is the actual well-being of a person. I don't know about you, but I actually know a lot of people that have a ludicrous amount of money. And some of these people are actually genuinely happy and willing to maybe not give other people money, but they are very generous and uh, very friendly and kindly because what they're giving away is their experience, their wisdom, their knowledge, all of that. And so we can't sit there and look at things from a superficial level and compare it to someone else and really think that that person has it better or I have it worse than that person or so on and so forth, vice versa. You pick, you choose. It's not what we need to do. Anyone that has experienced trauma, you're going to want to listen. But, I mean, that, again, could be anyone and everyone. Your trauma is your trauma. It's your experience. And it helps shape how you perceive things and what you do with that perception. So dealing with addiction, we have to sit there and we actually have to recognize that there's other things that caused the start of addiction. Now, I want to interject right there to myself. Whenever we actually sit there and we face addiction, some people say it's a disease. Some people say it is a matter of willpower and a choice. Now, again, if you've ever listened to any of my other episodes then you'll know that I'm talking about the disease of choice. And let me break it down, because you may have not heard this. 
all of us, we have an option. You can either go and drink, go and use, or not. Now, it gets a little bit muddy. Yes, we have the choice to use or to not, to drink or to not. However, along the way of using and drinking, then something happens to our brains. It gets essentially hijacked. We're facing something that is actually bigger than ourselves, but we also feel like we're kind of on even ground or maybe even bigger than it. But the thing is, whenever you're dealing with addiction, you don't get to choose if you got addicted or get addicted to a substance or alcohol. You don't have that choice. And that's plain to day, and as best as I can really portray that, it is not a choice to really, you know, fall into a pit. A lot of the time we see that pit and sometimes it's like, ah, yeah. And then other times it's covered up with leaves and twigs and all that. And we're walking and then, yeah, we're in. And it's hard to get out by yourself, even if you have a shovel. And a lot of us would probably end up just digging further down. I know that's what I did, but... We lose the choice to use at some point. Yes, we have the choice to go and get some or to not, but if you are actively addicted, you essentially really don't have a choice at this point. Whenever your substance calls, it's your master, and you say, I'm coming, or you say, hold up, let me hit my plug up, let's go do something. And, I mean... Yeah, it's not fun, it's not pleasant, because guess what? It does take a lot of your free will away. And so that's where we kind of look at, is it a choice or a disease? So we had the choice to start, we had the choice to keep using or drinking, and then we lose that choice if you become addicted like I did. And some people, they're lucky. They can use or drink and put it down and never really think about it, thirst for it, no nothing. They're just, eh, okay, that's fun, cool. I don't see what people get out of that. And to those people, man, I am so jealous. But at the same time, if it hadn't been for a lot of the things that I went through, I wouldn't be who I am and where I am today. Is there things I would change? Yeah, probably. But at the same time, I have to work on something called growth. So before I get any further, whenever we're sitting there and we have fallen into this pit, we have to, well, make a choice. We either call for help, try our best to climb out by ourselves, or dig further down, or maybe a little tunnel because maybe you'll come out on the other side. Who knows? But that's the thing. It starts as a choice. And then we have the choice to use or not use again. And eventually, if you fall into addiction, you lose that choice. You lose that will. And you're in this little pit. And in that pit, you have to make another choice. And that's the choice of, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And that's hard to do. It takes a lot of humility to actually sit there and ask for help, especially if you're a male in the U.S. A lot of people go, oh yeah, he's just a guy. He's supposed to be going through a hard time, which I don't know if you know, but that's 
kind of crappy. Like, I mean, we're all people. Guys are supposed to be the stoic and almost emotionless person to actually go and be the support of the family. Maybe not even support, the foundation, the rock, whatever you want to call it. That's the way that a lot of people in our society look at males. So if you're going through a hard time, a lot of people don't really care. A lot of people don't really actually ask and care. And if you find someone that does, tell them. Like, get it off your chest. Maybe that person will actually have a little bit of something to offer in the terms of help or experience, stories. Maybe you'll find a new best friend because you opened up to someone and they had a similar experience. And so now you all have common ground, and guess what? You can be friends with someone like that. But enough of that. We have to make a choice to actually get out of this pit. With that choice, it's gone full circle. And the problem with that is for a lot of people that are fighting addiction while they're in recovery or any recovery of sorts, then there's a possibility of going back in a circle. And so you wind up where you were and you do it again and you're out and then you do it again and then you're out, so on and so forth. This isn't a NASCAR race. It's pretty important to not go 200 miles an hour around a track like, what is it, like 200 times or something? I don't know. I don't pay attention to NASCAR. I'm sorry. I don't know why I even decided to use that analogy. Oh, because it's going fast and there can be big old wrecks and... The pit stops are really efficient. That is the support team. So <laughs> what I'm trying to get at, though, is that our traumas actually will lead a lot of people to seeking self-medication. It can lead to uh, substance use or drinking. It can lead to, say, <laughs> any other illicit thing that one can do. We are always looking for something to cover the trauma up. It's like pushing it under the rug or throwing it in the closet with the rest of your skeletons, you know. I mean, just a lot of us don't actually actively deal with our trauma. Now, if you're in active recovery, now if you've been to a psychiatrist and then a psychologist, yes, they are different. Look it up. Whenever you go to these people, you actually like are taking proactive steps to heal your trauma. And again, it's not easy, <laughs> and I can definitely tell you it is not fun. However, what we have to do is actually sit there and learn how to do it so that we can better cope with different aspects of our life that may, quote, unquote, trigger us and make us fall back into an old pattern, an old thought routine, or just any of those things that we're trying to actively walk away from. The problem is, a lot of the time, that thing whistles and we're like, ooh, yeah, let's go. Oh, I left a memento there. Let me go grab it. Don't pick it up. It's your trauma memento. Leave it alone. That, seriously, like, leave it alone. If you want, sure, go ahead, take it to your mind's home. But find a little weird like trophy case for it, put it in there, put it in the room that you never really go into for like really any reason and just forget about it. But that's the thing you can't really forget. And I know that, but what I'm trying to say is that we have to do something besides hide it. So if you put it in that little trophy case and into that weird room, 
in your head that you don't go to, then it's not running away from it. What it actually is, is embracing it, seeing what it is, what it is, and then actually being able to push it to the side and like not have to think about it. Yeah, it's going to come and pop into your head every now and again, maybe for the rest of your life. However, what we have to really think about with this is addressing it, that is embracing it, that is taking it with you to build on yourself. Because, I mean, think about the times where you have a memory hit you out of nowhere. Like, oh, hey, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Sometimes, and hopefully, there are good memories. But that's the thing is that we, t like, we have weird flashbacks. So I'm not going to go much further into that because I'm trying to get to another actual point. I'm sorry that I like going off on tangents. So let's look at something real quick. Trauma is a significant factor for addiction. And because of this, a lot of addiction recovery deals with trauma healing. This is one reason why recovery is very difficult for pretty much everyone. I don't know anyone that was addicted and they go, oh yeah, I had like two therapy lessons and yeah, I'm all good. Uh, I'm fixed up. <laughs> no, it or not. So that's kind of the thing. We have to figure out how we're going to deal with this trauma and how to heal it. With this, we actually will heal and yeah, there's going to be a scar there. But you know what? Scars tell stories. Gives you a little bit of a character, right? And tells people you've had fun. And if not fun, you've been on adventures and you're still alive. So good on you. Now, one of the things we have to deal with in recovery is this trauma. And this trauma can actually lead to someone going, I don't have a place in this world. And like, I can't say exactly what that person is going to be saying and feeling, but I know that feel because I thought the same. I didn't think I would make it to 20, 25, much less 30, and here I am a year after. So <laughs> for me, like, I don't really know what the plan is. I don't necessarily have an end goal, but at the same time, I actually do. It's something that I can look forward to and hope to achieve, and that's all we can really ask for sometimes. With the whole hole left in you that this trauma has caused or been a factor of with this giant hole we have to figure out something that actually just takes us away from ourselves we have to find a way to fill that hole some people turn to substances other people to adrenaline junkies and so on and so forth the thing is we have to find a way to actually find meaning and purpose in life and unfortunately, that's not easy to do, but I mean, life isn't easy. And if it is, again, congratulations. Thanks for listening. <laughs> but one of the things that is hard about recovery is that we need support. And we also have to understand what the trauma is so that way we can actually address it properly. Because if we don't address it, we're going to lose ourselves to it. Again, it is a memento. You put it in the trophy case, leave it alone. Don't 
carry around your Santa Claus bag because I'm pretty sure, like, you don't have a magical bag that, like, you know, just whatever. Shh, don't tell the kids. Wait, what? Not real. Liar. Anyways, <laughs> we have to find a support system. We have to have someone around that actually hears and understands us. And whenever I say understand, I'm not saying find someone that has the same experiences that you did go through. That can help, but what I'm talking about is being heard and understood. This is where it all comes back to tie into pain. You find someone, like a therapist, and you talk to them about your pain. They will help you find a way to clear the roadblocks to yourself. And a lot of the time, that's not easy to do either because guess what? That <laughs> blockage in that road is heavy and you don't get it done in just one trip. Like, not even close. But the thing is, we can actually do this to ourselves, but we have to really sit there and understand what it is and how we can actually go about dealing with it. Now, with trauma and addiction, we can have these things. We call them triggers. And, well, it's like the trigger of a gun or just any other trigger, like maybe L2 and R2 on a PlayStation controller, whatever. We have to actually sit there and figure out a way to address our trauma. We have to understand our traumas. We have to understand our triggers. Our triggers will sit there and maybe pull us back into our mind and into an old thought or perception that we used. And I'm not saying it's easy or good to have triggers. What I'm saying is that we have to understand it. Just like we have to understand our trauma, we have to understand a trigger and what it means for us. For instance, whenever I was at the Men of Nehemiah, I had a lot of guys tell me that they could never listen to the same music again. Now, for me, that was like, yeah, that ain't happening. I like my Irish folk music way too much. But the thing is, I also listened to a lot of everything. And so my decade of being an alcoholic wasn't really defined by my music. It was my thought process and my actions and so on and so forth. My trigger for me was not music. For some people, it is. Some people, sex can be a trigger. They have to sit there and maybe stay abstinent or have some kind of plan in place with a support person or people so that whenever they do the deed, they can figure out a way to not fall into that old habit, that old pattern, anything of that nature. Triggers are different for everyone. And this also goes back to your pain. Your triggers are valid. It doesn't matter if someone goes, oh, that's a silly trigger. Like, I don't understand why you can't eat snow cones anymore, but whatever. And you had a really bad, like, experience one winter in Minnesota whenever Frosty the Snowman came about and just, uh, yeah, he just took out a whole town. Yeah, we don't talk about that. Your pain is real. Your triggers are real. So let's look at that again. Snowman, Frosty, like Snow Cone, you know, it, and they're just like the same thing. Like maybe that's him coming back to get you. 
because you escaped. But with that being said, again, our tr our triggers, we have to learn them. We have to figure it out, are we going to stay abstinent and away from all triggers? Or are we going to figure out a way to where we can be around it and not really have us sitting there thinking like, ooh, yeah, I want to do that again. And real quick, before you really think I'm saying anything like, oh, go to a trap house and just sit in there and don't use. No, don't, don't do that. No, please. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is if you listen to a certain kind of music and it triggers you, figure out a way to listen to another genre of music, a different artist, or maybe avoid it. And maybe, maybe you can actually listen to it and process things differently because your perception and experience has now changed and you've been able to sit there, get a little bit of a lesson out of it, and apply it to your old thought patterns. And like I said, apply new experiences and perception into old ones and change the past you. Acknowledge it, but don't ignore it. If you ignore it, you'll be on the run from yourself for pretty much the rest of your life, and that's not okay. If you think it is, uh, well, <laughs> no. So with triggers, we have to sit there and figure out a way to avoid them or just change it up a little bit. And this is where a support person or support net or team, whatever you want to call it, comes into handy because these people can be used as a reality check. And I know I said used. Let's rephrase that. These people can be utilized to help you in many different ways, such as getting a reality check, getting a different perception, sitting there and just hearing you and understanding you, be that shoulder to cry on, be that bear hug that you need, and maybe call you and go do something so that you're not stuck by yourself. You know, like, maybe that's what you need. Go do something with someone and get outside of yourself because, again, our triggers are real, our pain is real, and whenever it's just us to ourselves, especially in early recovery, we sit there and we kind of fall back and it's not fun nor easy but the thing is it's a lot like going to the gym you may look at yourself every day and not really see any progress but that's the thing is that it's so minute to us because we see it all the time we can't see it so the same thing applies to old habits thoughts and just any of that but someone from the outside can see you go to the gym every day or maybe like once a week or whatever and also be around you and notice that something is different they can say oh hey you've been going to the gym and you're like yeah you can tell and they're like yeah well these people can also sit there and go hey man like i've noticed you doing this like are you okay like is there something going on because whether you want to admit it or not a lot of us have people that care about us and they actually see and notice these things much before ourselves. And that's where being humble again is. It's all about actually figuring out what it is and how to avoid it to make the same mistakes again. So with all that being said, 
I want to sit there and present some things that Google's Bard has suggested of things that you can do that don't cost a lot of money, if any, that can help you heal from your trauma. So let's look at it real quick. Age and self-care practices. Okay, yeah, like, again, be your own best friend. Spoil yourself from time to time. It is okay. Just don't break the bank because that's the opposite of what we're trying to do. We're trying to heal, like, cheap, like the flea market kind of cheap. Like, I'm a haggle for this, and you win. So, come on. Now, build a supportive network. Again, your safety net, your support system, your support group, your support person. You need to have these people in your life because guess what? A lot of them and their experiences and perception will actually help you see from a different angle that could actually give you an epiphany. Just boom, like, oh, yeah, that makes sense now. Why didn't I think of it before? Because it's your brain and you think like this one time and it gets stuck in a loop. So now also practice mindfulness and grounding techniques. Whenever we sit there and we actually do a little bit of mindfulness, it makes us think our actions through and through. We have to go from start to finish and everything in between. That's called being mindful. Not necessarily thoughtful, but mindful. Like, you have your mind full of ideas. And so, yeah, just pay attention to what you're doing, how you're doing it, and what you're doing it for. Now, journaling and creative expression are also really good ones. In fact, a lot of music and art and comics and literally almost anything that is creative, that person's probably working through some stuff and that's their outlet. That's how they get it out there. That's how they get it off their chest and that's just by doing something that they enjoy, but they're actually contributing to the world and its beauties, even if they had to hurt for a little bit. Now, what you can also do, educate yourself on trauma. I can sit here, do multiple episodes over trauma, easy. But the thing is, I can't really tell you everything that you need to know as an individual. I'm just trying to lay out some groundwork that someone can go, oh, hey, yeah, that sounds good. I probably need to do that. Or who knows? Maybe it's like, how, how does this guy from Texas know me? Uh, trust me. Yeah, well, we've all been there. We're not nearly as alone as we think. So take some solace from that. Do what you will with it. Now, again, self-compassion. Self-compassion coupled with the education that you give yourself is going to sit there and actually give you a little bit of leeway, leniency. You can sit there and tell yourself, hey, it's okay that I feel the way that I felt or still feel about a certain experience or what happened. It's totally okay. The reason why is because, guess what? You are, don't be your own worst critic, be your own best friend, be your own lover, and not shush. But the thing is, we can actually sit there, learn what we can do, and we can cherry pick. This is one of those things, it's okay to cherry pick because guess what? Not everything is going to work for you that works for someone else. If you listen to any of my other episodes, you know this. So I just want to reiterate that what works for person A may not work for person D, C, F, J, K, L, Z, Y, M, 2, 
and three. So it's actually really important that we understand our triggers, that we understand our trauma, and how they go together. In the end, we all have a lot of trauma, and again, your trauma, your pain, is valid and it's real. So don't let anyone else try to tell you that what you experience is not true or you're over-exaggerating or anything of the sorts because they're not you and you are not them. So try to not pass judgment or too much of an opinion in someone's way, especially whenever it comes to something deep and seated in us, such as pain and just certain experiences that we'd like to forget ever happened. So again, we can't really forget, like we can suppress it, but deep in our psyche, it's always there. So whenever you find yourself just being in a weird mood and stuff like that, maybe you need to see if there's a trigger that actually got you uh, going on some of your old trauma and maybe new trauma. I don't know. And that's the thing too. We're all going to experience new things from day in, day out, and just because we work on and fix a few of our, well, I wouldn't say problems, but some of our imperfections and whatnot, that we can actually sit there and become better. But we're all experiencing life at the same rate, for the most part. So we have to sit there and build each other up. It's hard to do sometimes especially if you're feeling down yourself and that's another thing sometimes you have to tell people like hey I need some me time some alone time I need to take a step back get a recharge go get away from everything and anyone or everyone for a little while and that's totally okay a lot of people won't see it as okay because they're not you or they just don't understand what you're trying to do Remember, if you can find some solitude with yourself so you don't run away in fear from yourself, you're not angry at yourself, you're not doing all these little things that can just push you further and further into the grave a little early, and it's actually really invigorating, and it's nice, it's peaceful, it's bliss, almost, and so we just have to try to do a little better every day. And it's not a race of, I'm doing better than them, they're doing better than me. No, it's do a little bit better from the day before. And some days you may not do much better at all. But it's that mentality that you have to carry with you so that you actually can do something with it. Now, on all of this, I do want to say that recovery is not only about substance abuse and addiction. Recovery is literally anything that you're going through as you try to heal. A lot of people just associate recovery with addiction, and they're not entirely wrong. However, what's happened is that our society has actually taken the word of recovery and the lifestyle or the habits, the acts of healing for yourself, as synonymous with addiction and you know what that's okay but some people actually feel bad whenever they say they're recovering and they weren't a drug addict or an alcoholic and you know that's kind of silly because again everyone's pain is real everyone's trauma is real 
to them especially. So we have to sit there and know that there are other people that are struggling in different ways from ourselves, whether it be from a mental illness, disease of choice, or really just about whatever. And, you know, again, that's okay. It We're all going to hurt in different ways at different times. So just if anyone says that they just need a little bit of time or some space, give it to them. And just remember, if you hold too tightly sometimes, it's just going to break whatever you're holding. But if you don't hold on to it enough, like with a supportive grip, you just might let it fall out of your hand and ruin it. And that's a whole nother story. But I do want everyone to know that recovery is just great. <laughs> I'm not sure what other word I should use there. But the thing is, recovery goes, and it goes all over so many different areas in life. Again, we've just associated it with drug addiction and healing from that addiction. But it can be used for any addiction, first of all. And recovery can also just be a blanket term for literally just getting better. And it's not so much so that we're recovering to become what we once were. In fact, we're trying to do kind of the opposite. We're not sitting there trying to become saints. We're not sitting there trying to forget our sins or wrongdoings and the bouts of debauchery that has taken place. What we're trying to do is really just, again, improve. We're trying to grow. We're trying to heal. And everyone has the right to do that. So don't let someone else tell you that you don't deserve it. Or don't let them sit there and say, you're not an addict. You're not in recovery. Because guess what? It literally applies to, again, everything. If you're trying a little bit each day, it just gets a little easier. It's not necessarily a cakewalk or whatever, but the thing is, we have to be there for each other. Remember, recovery is probably a big lifestyle for a lot of people. And if you come across people that are in recovery, make sure to give them some congratulations, even if it's someone you don't know. For instance, a couple months ago, no, actually, sorry, it was last year. Last year, I was visiting a friend at our work, and there was this big old line to get some food and some drinks on the outside of this uh, building. And so I was in line because I wanted to get one of those big old pretzels. I mean, it was like big. But the thing is, I was sitting there waiting in line, and a couple of the guys in front of me and one behind me, they said, hey, like, if you jump over to this line, that's where you can get your beer, like, a lot faster. And I was like, okay, like, sorry, but that's not for me. I'm here for the pretzel. Like, I don't drink. And two of the guys said, oh, well, okay. The other guy, he said, what? You're giving up on this? And I was like, yeah, dude. Like, you don't know me, but yeah, yeah, I am. And <laughs> I don't know if his, his girlfriend, sister, wife, I don't know their relation, but she just slapped him on the arm, and she was like, hey, don't 
happy little someone. She was like, that's pretty freaking awesome. And so she asked me how long I'd been sober, and I told her, and she was like, hell yeah, and then just gave me a high five. Like, that has never happened in my life. Just a random, genuine high five from someone that I have no idea who it is. Probably will never see them again, but, you know, it was a little bit of an act from a total stranger that actually gave me a little bit of a boon to keep going. Something to remind me that everything that we do in this life is, well, I wouldn't say fickle, but I would say that it is rather entertaining, if you will, because you never know whenever something good or bad is actually going to be taking place, and a lot of the time, one way or another, whatever we have in our mind, a lot of the time doesn't really come to pass. And if it does, it's probably not in that same, uh, what's the best word for it? It's not in that same vigor. Well, no, that's not right. Well, what I'm trying to say is that no matter what it is we think is going on in our head, a lot of the time it doesn't actually play out the way that we think it does. I am very guilty of this because, again, I'm my own worst critic. I sit there and beat myself up over anything and everything. And, yeah, it, it sucks. But with a good support group, I actually have people that can give me a reality check. Some people that I can talk to, open up, and yeah, it's not easy and it's not fun and I need to do it more, but at the same time, I feel like I'm a burden or bothersome. And to these people, they say I'm not. And of course, for myself, I think that's kind of silly because like, yeah, no. So you got to find people that genuinely care. And I guarantee you there's a lot more of that than you know. So don't be afraid to speak up. Don't be afraid to actually tell your story. You have a right to tell your story just like anyone else. It may not be in an autobiography or some other work about you later down the road, but what I can say is that your presence and your impact on other people's lives is going to mean something to someone and what we can do is actually just try our best to do good for those around us. And again, I'm guilty of not doing it enough, but it's because my neuroticism and being able to sit there and essentially gaslight myself um, that it's not fun. So, and see right there, knowing that being negative towards myself, it's actually a trauma response from something that happened years and years ago and it's one thing that I've had to work on and am I doing great at it probably not but I do try to pay attention to it and so it's interesting feeling guilty about feeling guilty because you feel guilty because you did something wrong yeah and it's one of those mementos that I need to just put it in a box, in a little trophy case, hang it up on the wall and say, yeah, that happened. Good times. And they weren't necessarily good, but you know what I mean. So one 
last little bit I want to say is that what you do matters. What you feel matters. You matter. And it's not always obvious or evident, but we can learn to be there for each other. And we can also just, you know, have a little bit of fun with it. Life is strange. Life is fun. Life sucks. But all in all, it is what we make it out to be. So you can't sit there and really put someone down because they're enjoying life in a different sense of or fashion. And really, I don't think you should mind too much of what someone else thinks or does. And uh, again, this is a broad term. This is not entirely accurate. But I think if you do what you're supposed to do for you, you're not really going to... I wouldn't say negatively impact other people, but the thing is, you might. There's a huge list of variables that could go into that, and I'm not about to go into that with you because, again, it's big. So just do what you need to do for you, and everything else will fall into place. And sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Sometimes you get the wrong Tetris piece, and, well... I just have to build a lot more crap on a little mistake. But once you get the right piece, bloop, it's gone. It gets better. Then it doesn't. And then it gets better. And then it doesn't. It's a weird little cycle of life. And the way that we can win is take it as it goes. Try not to have expectations. That is one of my truths that I need to act out more. And yeah. Not fun, not easy, but it does help. So if you or anyone else you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts or tendencies or whatever, give the number 988 a call because your life matters and their life matters. So let's try to help each other out just a little bit. I love you. Yeah, you. You love you too. So pat yourself on the back. Congratulate yourself on successes. And remember, you've made it through every worst day of your life so far, and you're still here. Keep fighting and just take a step. It's okay to cry. It's okay to have someone to lean on. Please do it for yourself and your loved ones. So, until I see you next time, stay safe, have fun, have a good weekend, and try to enjoy the sad season affectionate disorder around this time of year a lot of people actually get really depressed and it's kind of obvious why that'll be in another episode so if you suffer from sad then reach out lean on someone don't hold it in let it out it's okay cry in your car if you have to like moi i've done that many times it's okay so, have fun, stay safe, love you, and check up on someone that just might need it. Slon!